Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin. I am an editor at Lookout Landing, and I am joined today uh, by (laughs) our managing editor, uh, our fearless leader, and today our birthday girl, Kate Prusser. Kate, happy birthday! (laughs) Thanks! Thanks, John! Do you... have a, a, a sort of a, any sort of special routines that you go through i i know that having a birthday on valentine's day has to have been a point uh that you've had sort of hammered in <laughs> and asked many questions about throughout <laughs> your life but are there are there any special things that you have done throughout the years yeah valentine's birthday is really fun in grade school and then no fun for the rest of your life mm. so it's i a... can imagine that <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not the best. It's not the best day to have a birthday. Would not recommend. Did um, you ever? Did you ever have a specific day that you would want to move your birthday to? Like I know my my roommate. He's born on Christmas, which he always liked as double presents. But he also, I think, never really felt like birthdays were all that special because it was sort of the same thing that one time. Yeah. Um. I always thought it would be kind of fun to have a summer birthday, even though I know that the kids in school who had summer birthdays, remember you'd have like mm-hmm. one day where you celebrated all the summer birthdays <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that just seemed like a real, real stinker. Well, and it would be a real bummer. Cause I, I don't know if you had this experience, but I remember in elementary school, our principal, Mr. Kimball, uh, would come in on your birthday and he'd bring in a card and he'd, and you'd get a fancy holographic pencil, which was incredibly exciting oh and what are you going to do with that pencil all summer you're going to forget it you're going to lose it somewhere uh maybe you were a more studious summer student than i but I, I there was no way that that pencil was making it back to to the fall no no i mean there's no i i don't know if if i got one during the school year though if i had been lucky enough to receive such a thing 
Mm. Um, if I, I am not. My highfalutin I, Seattle public yeah. schools education. I was going to say, I went to Our Lady of Guadalupe <laughs> falling down on me here. Some I would have expected a little more attention, maybe, out of my 30-person class. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, 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 it's not the best day to have a birthday. I kind of think I would have liked to have one in the summer when mm. – Especially as an adult, it's a little easier to get time off from work and sure. you can kind of gather your friends up together. So generally, mm. my friends are very good about uh, celebrating with me on alternate days or like when it's during the week and they weren't going to be doing anything anyway, uh, mm. planning things. And I have kind and lovely friends who are who are good to me. But, but yeah, I will say in the general. And this has been like an especially kind of rough <laughs> birthday week so far like the mm. they forgot to pick up my garbage the other week my friend broke a glass at trivia last night and a piece oh, of glass no. flew into my eye like it is oh, not geez. yeah and then and then i wake up today to the news that uh last night i see the ryan healy mitch hanniger bro date Mm-hmm. They went At to Marination, which I love. One of my favorite places to go. And I was going to say, Hanniger lives in West Seattle now. I know. I'm, I'm always hoping that I'm going to be like walking around Lincoln Park and just run into him and be like, oh, fancy meeting you here. Well, I was going to say, do they have Wi-Fi at Marination? Because I feel like if you, you just swing the laptop over there, you can just kind of set up shop and, and, and just wait. get, some, just get wait. some insider interviews. Exactly. Every, every, off, every off day, just go there and wait for Hannah Gruden to make an appearance mm-hmm. no what i need is i need to like check out west seattle blog or something and see if there are <laughs> yes. reports on where he is <laughs> doesn't sound creepy at all but no i mean i watched that and i was like so into it and i think ryan healy has more of a personality than i thought he had um he was the, he was the bubblegum guy he was he was yeah i mean he in the shaving cream like mm-hmm. he does objectively funny things i guess but you look at him and you're not like well there's a jokester right you know he kind of looks like a generic athlete model a those big tall big tall dudes you know yeah can't can't get a laugh out of them no the big the big (laughs) shoulders they're like buckingham palace guards you know that um but he was very personable and and when he when he uh, made no bones about how he was hungry and wanted food immediately and like was really passionate about getting that taco into his mouth i related to him <laughs> i related to him on a primeval level mm-hmm. and then he talked about uh, mitch was like i don't like desserts because of course <laughs> of course he was because <laughs> he is kind of a goober and kind of a little bit uh, uh, what no, I, will say is I have never heard but... anyone say that they don't like desserts. He said, I hate brownies. <laughs> Who hates brownies? Well, you can have bad brownies. You can have, like, dry. Un- yeah, yeah, un- yeah. The, the crumbly brownies. Sure, sure, yes. sure. Sure. But brownies as a whole, like, it's a food group. It is. It is. It's on the pyramid. I... They don't do the pyramid anymore. They do the plate. It's... Yes, the plate. The plate. It's... But the brownie is the pedestal that props yeah. up the plate. It's <laughs> under make, the plate. It, you make the plate out of brownie. Uh, oh, a delicious. Oh, delicious. Yeah, it's like a bread bowl, but fudgy. Oh my god. <laughs> I want oh, it now. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a goobery thing to say. And then Ryan is like, "Well, maybe you'll be a good influence on me." But I love my sweets. Like, all right, I, I like you. I like I liked him mm-hmm. 
between that and the the media luncheon, I thought he or not the media luncheon. You see, where was he that he was? It talking? was the media luncheon. It I was think. the media luncheon. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then he was on the Hot Stove comments. podcast too, and he was very personal on that. Mm-hmm. And he said something that I think every uh, every Pacific Northwesterner relates to, mm-hmm. which is he talked about the feeling of breathing the air when in the Pacific Northwest when you get off the plane. And I think anybody who has been anybody who's lived here a significant amount of time and then gone away and come back knows that mm-hmm. feeling, right? Is that something that is? I know every time I got off the plane from Philadelphia, it felt like I was just in an oxygen bar or something. Just pure delight. It was like stepping, what I imagine stepping onto snow-capped Mount Olympus must have felt like. And just breathing in the air of the gods. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it is eminently, especially for, you know, just having been you know, traveling all over and, and all of the different places you do, uh, you do go as a professional athlete. It is, it is nice to have some, some folks that appreciate home. Yeah. So I've been all in on Ryan Healy <laughs> and now, now I wake up to the news that he has mm-hmm. some kind of mysterious hand ailment. Mm-hmm. What is this? What is, what is go- is this going to be last year? Are we in last year again already? Like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I'm... Talk me down. Talk me down. Because like I said, it's been sort of an emotional week. Mm-hmm. The garbage is still sitting out there. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I... Talk me down. Say, say some... So, say, okay. Give me so, some of that so he... trooping brand <laughs> middle of the road takes. That's what I need. All right. So, so here's where we're at right now. The um, the the first base position last year was expected to be Vogelbach and Valencia platooning. That was the expectation going into camp, and it seemed like a reasonable call. It didn't seem, you know, thrilling, but Vogelbach had performed well in the minors. He'd struggled a little bit in his late-season call-up, but, you know, still he was a reasonably good hitter. He was defensively limited, but supposedly that's what he'd been working on and when we mm-hmm. just when we saw him coming out, he just he didn't really look like he'd made that much of an improvement and we didn't really see him improve that much from what he'd done in the past years this year. You know, he still was a decent hitter. I mean, a good he was a good hitter objectively, but just for how good of a hitter he has to be. Right. You know, so in order to offset the complete lack of defensive. Right. Yeah. Um, so this year, you know, and so last year we ended up with Danny Valencia playing a ton and being bad. so bad. He and, was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's, he's funny because he's one of those guys. If you're if you just want to look at war, um, you know, you get a sort of mixed evaluation on him because I think Fangraphs have him at negative one and. Uh, Baseball reference had him at one in the positive. So that's, a, you know, basically a two win swing. You know, that's a, you know, it's a, the difference between being one of the worst players in baseball and, you know, a player that shouldn't be starting but is fine. Um, that's not what we have this year. You know, this year you have similarities. And, and it, it could have been the result, and it still could be the result, because Healy has 
frankly a lot of Valencia-esque characteristics. You know, he d demolishes lefties. Uh, he's struggled against righties. Um, but he is also six years, seven years younger than Valencia. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this will be his second full season and third real season of, uh, you know, of baseball. Um, and and they're, they're not asking him to play really, uh, you know, a defensive position that he wasn't comfortable with. Now, behind that, you also have Mike Ford, who has absolutely obliterated uh, the baseball at every level that he's played so far, up to uh, and through AAA. Um, and, and that's Mike Ford, who is a Rule 5 draft pick, who, if the Mariners don't put on the their uh, opening day roster, uh, then they have to return to the Yankees. So, you know, there's sort of a little extra incentive there to keep him. Um, but Unless they can work out some kind of a deal, right? Like, right. they could which theoretically is... send the Yankees some international signing bonus money, yeah. which is what I thought would be the least painful way of doing it. But Right. And and that's not an uncommon thing. Like, that, that yeah. that's a thing that happens a fair amount with Rule 5 picks is, you know, a player... You know, a team really likes a player. They pick him in the Rule 5 draft. They can't quite fit him in their roster, but they want to keep him, so they pay the other team, you know, the guy's original team to keep him. Um, they pay him. They, they can just pay, or sometimes a low-level trade happens. Right. But, but the important thing to realize, too, is um, we don't always think of teams as being altruistic, although we have mm. seen some of that behavior with, like, um, the Cardinals prioritizing the A's as a trade partner in the Piscotti trade, for example. Yeah. Maybe they could have wiggled a better trade package out of somewhere else, but they did, and they said that yeah. uh, letting him be closer to his mom, who's recently diagnosed with ALS, does, right. does, did play a role. So teams aren't always... Teams don't want to act poorly towards their players. That's not a good way to get people to want to come to your team. Right. So a lot of times with Rule 5, where the guy is blocked anyway, another team selects him. For whatever reason, they get offered back. Mm. The first team often declines that because they know that they didn't have a path for that player. And obviously, there's no path for Mike Ford in New York, <laughs> right? I mean, right. there's... There's, he's totally blocked at first base. Yeah. They got Greg Bird. They got Garrett Cooper. Um, mm -hmm. They have a reasonable, you know, they they have a reasonable number of lumbering uh, power <laughs> guys, and uh, you know, especially if they're you know looking to upgrade at third base, they might also have you know more more to do there, especially with Andujar who. Should be good at third. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is they've got they're going to have to uh, shift some guys over probably mm -hmm. because they've got oh there's Hicks there's Hicks out in the outfield yeah. maybe that pushes Ellsbury somewhere <laughs> I mean they've just they've got more guys there than yeah. they know what to do with the, yeah okay. and which is how Ford ended up being a Mariner because yeah. the Yankees had so many people that they couldn't protect the guys that were actually also good uh from yeah their, they got rated in the rule five right. so um you know so that's how the mariners ended up with ford that's also why a guy like like nick rumbelo who would have probably been up in the majors last year for most teams uh you know just kind of hung out in triple a last year uh for the yankees mm -hmm. um so anyway we're, we're we're drifting a little far afield but the point being um 
it's it's definitely plausible that the production falls flat again this year, but the guys that you're looking for to uh, you know looking to to get that production are guys who are on the upswing of their career as opposed to uh, someone like Valencia who pretty much is what he is if not getting worse. Right. Um, and so I would like to return to something about Ryan Healy too, um, which mm-hmm. is, do you know how many? Innings at third base, Ryan Healy played last year. If you want to just hazard a guess. I, I don't do a great job with innings, but I just like the innings measure multiplication. Um, uh, let's say 150. 260. Oh, wow. So, which is, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to gotcha on that, but that was no, way, no, no. that was way more than I thought it was going to be. Well, cause right? he played a lot of DH. He played a he, little bit of first base, 300, but I mean, they 300 innings worth of first. So yeah. more, but guess how many innings he played at third base in 2016? A whole lot. Yes, all of them. He played. <laughs> yeah. He played not at all at first base in and, 2016. And so, I do recall because I explicitly remember watching him miss baseballs <laughs> and throw baseballs. A yeah, he was. Of he was bad. He was really bad at third base. Bad uh, he is not a good everyday third baseman. I think that no. they could stick him out there in like a desperation right scenario which i think like was Kyle also Seager. true of valencia yes yes who maybe was a little more capable i don't know probably a little bit more especially uh, at this age but. yeah yeah but uh, so he's passable at third if you need him for a game and you want his bat in the lineup but i wonder how much uh, so we've been talking about ryan healy first baseman when i think it's important to remember Ryan Healy is uh, 300 innings of first baseman from last year. Uh, He's still in the transition to that position. And um, I wonder how much not having to worry about defense. I I could see it two ways. And I'm curious what you think is going to, what you think might act upon him more strongly. Is it going to be less pressure not having to worry about his abysmal defense at third base or is it is he still transitioning to the defensive challenges of first base? Um, I I would lean towards the former. I think it's going to be less pressure. I, I believe when he was on the hot stove, he mentioned that he actually, you know, most guys who transition to first base start their careers at a more premium defensive position. You know, you mm-hmm. have guys like DJ Peterson is someone that I think a lot of Mariners fans are familiar with who started as a third baseman, but there were always questions about him defensively, and he ended up switching to first because he couldn't quite hang. Um, Healy was a first baseman f- for most of the time in the minors that uh, he, that he worked, and I think only later in his upper minors time was he switched to third. Mm. Um so, you know, I think throughout high school, throughout college, he was mostly a first baseman. So I, th- I think he's pretty comfortable with that. And, I mean, it's it's not like it's a true comparison, really, but as someone who played a lot of first base and felt pretty comfortable there, there other than the distance that the ball is traveling f- to you, there are next to no similarities <laughs> between <laughs> playing first and third base. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely, you know – when you're just able to focus your time on learning hitting and, and practicing that, uh, I think that'll be valuable. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I have a question for you then. Um, 
about Healy and and maybe the fit there with with Ford and and uh, even Vogelbach. So last year there was supposed to be a platoon. The year before that we had Adam Lind and Deho Lee. Um, I think the year before that we might. What was it the year before that in 2015? Was it um, was it still? Kendrys then or no that was that was 2014, 2015 was that 2014, 2015 was uh still Hez- Lomo Jesus Montero, it was, it was yeah. Lomo yeah. and Jesus and Smoke Oh yeah. um anyways the the point being we we've had a lot of experience with platoons and I think that has not gone well <laughs> uh, and and there's a reason platoons are kind of scoffed at and and not ideal is because you're basically you're using a roster spot on you know a guy who is clearly limited and so limited that you're having to bring another dude to cover for that um but even beyond that you know when you do it at first base you're you're essentially having one bench spot taken up by a pinch hitter uh but with that in mind healy has such a great offensive numbers against lefties and I think from what I've seen from scouts there's a pretty strong belief that Ford at least would be capable of handling himself uh, against righties but Mm -hmm. might struggle against lefties do you think there's a chance that we see a uh, a platoon on opening day Uh, even it, it well, as, even if Healy comes back and is totally fine and his hand is all right, and he just stubbed it, reaching for <laughs> he stubbed uh, his know, hand, reaching for some extra cheesecake. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, so at the beginning of the year, I think that we'll see an extra position player just because the they might start with a seven man bullpen to begin. Mm-hmm. Well, they kind of suss that extra spot out as far mm. as who it's going to be. And it doesn't sound like Zick is – it sounds like he's a little behind. Mm. Um, had some off-season injury issues as he is kind of want to do, which makes me really nervous about him. Um, it seems to be minor. I think it was described as inflammation, right? Shoulder inflammation yeah. or something like that. But you know, we we we're we're friends with shoulder inflammation. Yeah, soggy and sh- and inflamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah so- soggy and flamey is uh, yeah. is not our not our friend. Not our jam. No. Um. So I I have some questions about what is going to go on in the and and we're getting so many pieces that we don't know as well that right. maybe they're going to want to take a longer look at how Nick Rumbelow does in AAA before giving him a roster spot. I don't know. Um, but I could see I could see that if if Ford goes out and just like knocks their socks off in spring training because they do seem to make some decisions based on how guys perform in the spring. Like mm-hmm. Vogelback tanked last year in his second half of the spring mm-hmm. and all of a sudden went from being clear-cut favorite for the first base job or at least for a platoon position uh to being relegated to the minors which seems like a pretty quick and i know that a lot of people were concerned about that like why are they paying so much attention to spring training numbers 
and I think that some of the conversations we've had with prospects have led me to understand that, well, they have this check sheet that they're looking for. They have specific targeted goals. And if you're not hitting those or you're not progressing towards those, um, you find yourself persona non grata pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like an organization that the expectations are fairly clear, which is good. The expectations uh, are clear, and the expectation is that you will learn, and you will get yeah. better, and you will progress, and that these are, and they're not asking you to do things. This was um, what Lindsay Coggle was saying when we had him on the pod. Hmm. Um, they're not asking you, if you are like a lower 90s guy, to suddenly start throwing in the upper 90s. Like, they're not hmm. asking you to do things that are physically impossible. They're asking you to control things that are controllable. Hmm. Put the ball in the zone. Hmm. Uh, put the ball here. Throw yeah. this pitch this way. Increase this this spin rate. You know, they, hmm. they have manageable targets, I think, or things that they yeah. think are within the player's ken. So. Um, I think the, the point about taking spring training numbers into account is an interesting one. I, I know Jesse Smith, who's the director of analytics for the Mariners um, has talked a little bit about how some numbers, you know, I, I think it is true that a lot of numbers that you see in spring training are bunk or at least are, are not noise. reliable. They're noise. Noise. Yes. Yeah. I think that, yes, that's a good way to describe it. Um, but how there are some things that you can find uh, that are, that are, valuable uh and so things like uh you know pitch characteristics you can see velocity velocity mm -hmm. will be indicative you know you can see movement like that those things are pretty quickly uh you know uh indicative of of something oh has something changed in this player have have they improved in in some way or have they changed something here um and you know plate discipline numbers as well uh just because players have such clear control over that as in terms of a process um mm -hmm. you know if you're maybe not necessarily uh facing you know if you're a starter or if you're robinson cano and you're facing you know in the first inning you're facing cole hamels and then in, you know, your second at bat, you're facing, you know, the Rangers fourth double A reliever. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. a very different some guy thing wearing to gauge. like a number in the eighties. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, and so it's like that's not a great measure of value. But I... you'll you'd still see the same process in terms of what are guys doing? Um, I think that that's a good that's a good good rule of thumb for anyone who's wanting to watch spring training and wonder, you know, if there's anything to take away from this. Um, consider the things that are controllable by mm -hmm. so the pitcher can control how to mm -hmm. some degree how hard, how fast, where he's locating his pitches. The batter mm -hmm. can control whether or not they're swinging at those pitches. Right. They cannot control so much what happens once the baseball comes off the bat, right? Right. And that's, you know, I mean, that that in large part is 
baseball, you know, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, true. true. And true. So, so, but that's where you, you know. get things like, you know, the Arizona environment and mm-hmm. guys who are maybe playing out of position and, you yeah. know, something that would be uh, right. easily caught maybe hopefully right. during the regular season yeah. becomes like a bloop double sun doubles all <laughs> yeah. of that yeah you're gonna yeah you're gonna see higher yeah. offensive numbers no matter what um it's sort but, of like but the other thing Car- is sorry oh, carson carson testuli wrote on fan graphs about uh taking statistics from the arizona fall league which i think mm-hmm. is very similar and found that strikeouts from the afl correlate to strikeout rates in the majors so that's another thing to look at. And as far as you're looking at what can be controlled, um, that's if if Nick Rumbelow comes out and strikes out a bunch of guys, I'm going to feel really, really good about that trade, even though, you know, of course, yeah. pour one out for our boy JP. JP Sears. <sighs> oh, I know. I know. Uh, I know. It's a um, hard trade to swallow. So. Yeah. Um, so I uh, just to wrap it up around the uh, – platooning possibility yes. um, before we look forward into our sort of what what we're expecting to see, what we're hoping to see, what we need to see section in, in spring training. Um, I would be, before we got this news about Healy, I was hoping that we would start the season with a platoon um, in large part because if you want to get a sort of soft landing I guess for mm-hmm. Ford who mm-hmm. I do think is a best is the best first base option that the Mariners have right now um, personally even though I think there's interesting stuff about Healy there's still an interesting player somewhere in Vogelbach but I do think by the numbers and by the you know you prefer style. Mike Fro- Ford to Ryan Healy yes yes I do um, say more about that Okay, so <laughs> since you asked, that's, that's teacher code for I don't know about this answer, but well, so I mean the the tough part is that I mean not the tough part the 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 clear defense uh, or, or or counter argument is Mike Ford has zero plate appearances in the major leagues and. Um, Ryan Healy has uh, about a season and a half of them. Um, and while they haven't been exceptional, you know, Ryan Healy's been a fine offensive hitter. He's been an above-average hitter. He's had 110 WRC+. Plus. He's had, you know, 38 home runs. He's had pretty good numbers across the board, um, other than his walk Other reason. than, I was just going to um, say. <laughs> you know, and, and if if you assume that he's a reasonable defensive first baseman, then I think you can look at it and say, okay, this guy will be okay. Um, he, I think, is just a little, you know, base, effectively he and Mike Ford are the same age. Mike Ford's 25. He's half a year younger than Ryan Healy, who just turned 26. Um, but Mike Ford has absolutely destroyed the ball at every single level in the minor leagues um he has run he has not run a walk rate under 12 percent uh in any level of the minors that he had more than like 
I guess there was one year he had 52 plate appearances in high A and had a 7% or 7.7%. And beyond that, he has had a 12% or higher. Last year he was walking 15% and 18% in the minors, or in in double A. I mean, this is essentially the type of guy who you, I mean, you, you, it's it's completely outrageous to say that that he has anything Joey Votto like in terms of his performance. In part because Joey Votto is an exceptional defensive player and also, you know, probably a Hall of Fame worthy player um, in, in general. Uh, and also started his career in Double A and was in the majors the next year. <laughs> um, yeah, but love to play for the Reds. <laughs> Yeah, I love to play the other Reds in 2004, or 2006. Hello, um, no, Mike Leak, I think, was 28 or 2010, and he, no minor leagues at all, true. never that's minor true. leagues. Yeah, so. that's true. No, yeah. they're, they're speedsters. But essentially, Ford has power. Uh, he's he's not, he didn't show a ton of power in the low minors, which was a major concern, and which is why I think it took a long time for him to develop, but he got stronger, he adjusted his swing, um, and he has combined that exceptional walk rate where, I mean, in Double in A last year, he walked 5% more than he struck out. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, it's nuts. I mean, and it, I mean, you know, when you're talking about these lower, the low A power, the low A power numbers to the higher <laughs> minors, just I mean, right. that jump is. I mean, he's slugging 440 in 2014 in low in A. Yeah, in, in single A. And then you usually see guys lose power as they go up through, and right. all of a sudden in or, or maybe main, hopefully maintain it. Yeah, know, or maintain it. So he's adding and then maintaining as he hits the higher mm. um, the higher minors. Exactly. Yes. And and so I mean, when you when you watch Ford, you know, it doesn't look, you know, he's not huge. He's six foot, 225. I mean, part of the reason he's been such an underlooked guy is because I mean, there's a couple reasons. One, he's not physically impre- imposing. Yeah, that is Two, one thing that Healy has on Ford easily. Yeah. It's five, <laughs> five, five American inches. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and exactly. You know, I mean, Healy looks massive. He he's looks like a power incredibly hitter. strong. Yeah. And, and because of that, you know, I think he's a reasonable uh, player. But, you know, Ford was... A guy who played in the Ivy League, you know, went to Princeton, was undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just always hit at every level. I, Kate, you and I have talked about this as sort of uh, when you see guys who are, when you look back at guys who ultimately are successful, um, you know, and and see the reasons that they were cast aside. Uh, you know, there there were consistent reasons, and and sometimes those reasons are the case. But I think often those outliers, um, you know, are the guys who just kept succeeding at every level. Right. Uh, and the only knock that anyone ever had on them was the same: was oh, well, they're too small, or oh, That's well, Al-T-H. they haven't done it. Yeah, and exactly, and and so. Or sometimes, oh, we've already got a guy who's doing that at the big exactly. league level, which was Ed, which was the Mariners' uh, reason for keeping Edgar in the minors until he was like 
practically 30. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and so it's, uh, I am I am very enthusiastic about Mike Ford. I love his profile as a player. He's not very fast. He's not a great defender, but he's a first baseman. It, you can't be that bad defensively at first base. Like yeah, I, I, and we have obviously talked about Vogelbach, but like it, there's only so much that you can really do that's bad. And I don't think he's abysmal. Yeah. Um, and if you can be in this lineup and just be on base a lot, I mean, you want to be on base a lot in a lineup with the amount of power that this team has. You know, you want to be on base in front of Mike Zunino, especially <laughs> if you're slow. Cause <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to send the ball over the fence. <laughs> he's going to send it over. Exactly. I mean, like, it's it's just, it's a very good fit. And yeah. I like, I think the Mariners have done something interesting in targeting a lot of guys who are high contact guys, you know, who, who are guys who put the yep. ball in play a lot, which are um, sort of have fallen out of favor recently. And, and I think that is for good reason because those guys were overvalued for a long time. Um, and guys who walked and guys who had high on base percentages were undervalued. Um, but, and that's another I'm, way where Healy and Ford are interesting platoon partners, right? Because yeah. one has good on base skills and the other mm-hmm. has good power. So, mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically they could even, if there was a space for both of them, they could mm-hmm. both exist in the lineup. But why can't you just mm-hmm. play one more base, Mike Ford? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Play, play one uh, more position. Yeah. I mean, Stick him out there. If, if D Gordon ends up working out, you can put him out there in in the outfield. Uh, th- the Rangers are playing Willie Calhoun, <laughs> who, is, who is an animate one of those bricks from the Mario or from the <laughs> Mario games that drops down. Like he er, he's he's what Kirby turns into when you hit down B <laughs> in Super Smash Bros. And they're playing him in left field. So I don't see. Yeah, but we don't want to do anything like the Rangers right that's, now. <laughs> that's fair. Um. Anyways, so yeah, I I think this is a bummer because Ryan Healy could be interesting, and especially with the amount that they've been, ha- you know, working his progression. If he's waylaid right now, that's a bummer. But he has a minor league option, uh, at least one, I think. Uh, well, at least one, I know, maybe multiple, but I I think just the one. But you know, he can take his time because Mike Ford is here. And yeah. And I mean, what is spring training for if not for getting a good look at some guys? And, you know, we could yes. use a good look at everybody else is kind of locked in. So it's a good time to get a good look at Mike Ford and see if Dan Vogelback comes, steps up his game. <laughs> hey, some, it's time for a change. Did he not make, did a, he make a swing change? Somebody Isn't said that what he said? He, he posted like an Instagram, right? Oh. <laughs> not to make this, not to make this too much of what we actually do, which is look half the time, just looking through in, you know, social yeah. media feeds yeah, and yeah. finding like little tidbits. But yeah. I believe that was the video he posted of him working a, a more uppercut kind of swing with the largest bat known to yeah. mankind <laughs> with the babe biggest, ruth's yeah, literally <laughs> literally actually babe ruth's the, bat the 43 inch 45 <laughs> ounce club of Mjolnar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness um 
so uh, to move on, you know, we we have talked, I think, about one of the the most, Im- I guess, one of the positions, one of the only positions that's really unsettled uh, going into spring training. Um, what what if anything is there a specific position? Is there a specific player that you most want to see? Uh, and, and that you most need to see something from uh, as spring training starts. Is there something in particular you'll be looking for? I need to see D. Gordon in center field. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is primarily it because a lot mm. of this hinges on him not being a disaster out there. And mm-hmm. I don't think he will be. And I listened to, I finally caught up with last week's Hot Stove show and listened to Chris mm-hmm. Prieto talk about... Um, you know, he gave what I thought was a pretty good scouting report on mm. Gordon, which is that in center field, you just have to, everything's in front of you. So that's where speed is the most important asset. And he's got that and he's got good instincts to the ball and all of that made mm. me feel good. Um, <laughs> one thing that is not being talked about anywhere is his arm strength. I think it's been generally regarded as fine fine yeah but fine for an infielder is very different from fine for right well i I mean (laughs) we'll see right he just learned how to crow hop (laughs) he didn't find never thrown that way (laughs) there's that too Um, who knows yeah yeah. uh maybe you know with the you don't have to be i think quite as and you can correct me if i'm wrong but Accuracy matters a little less when you're throwing in from the outfield. You still want to be accurate, but you don't have to be maybe quite as pinpoint as a... You want to throw long line drives, Yes, (laughs) basically. So Uh, perhaps, perhaps, but he's so small. Yeah. He's very small. And, um, you know, your center fielders are usually around the six-foot variety, so... Mm -hmm. He's he's more of the, uh, he's more of the, like... The Kenny Lofton, um, Kevin Kiermeyer, like maybe Kevin Pillar. Uh, oh, yeah, style. Pilar, Pilar, Pilar. Okay. I guess I, Pilar. I always think of Kevin Kiermeyer as being small, but I don't actually know. He might no, be big. No, I think he's like six. I can look this up. I think he's over yeah, six. I feet. would I would be able to look it up if I could spell Kiermeyer. But oh, for some reason that is one of the ones. Oh uh, yeah, he's six. Word? He's six one. Okay. So. All right. Not a not a tiny guy. Okay. He's just so agile at climbing up things <laughs> that you think he's smaller than he is, like a toddler. That's fair. Um, well, yeah, I, I think I'm very much looking for. I remember explicitly like the first few games, and D. Gordon's not tiny; like he's five ten, five eleven. But I, I remember explicitly last year when when the defensive transition was so uh, new for us you know when we were when we still had we were, we were you know just coming off of franklin gutierrez oh, and seth smith, seth smith um, and nelson you know, cruz and, a lot of nelson cruz still a lot of nelson cruz in the yeah. outfield you know and and having leonis which was great but not much else defensively out there and the uh just the difference in what was landing and what was caught yeah. and what was a single versus what was cut off in the gap and kept to you know you know or what was a double that was turned into a single so that was interesting uh, right because that was leonis martin who is mm-hmm. elite flanked mm-hmm. by two slow guys mm-hmm. and now we're going for two above average speed slash arm 
I mean, I think between the various collection of tools between Hanager and Gamel, you could call them both average or above average, right? I think, yeah, around average to above average. Yeah, flanking um, something that in my mind I think of as just a big red question mark. That is, Uh, whenever I try to picture uh, D. Gordon... Quickly moving question mark. (laughs) Quickly moving big red question mark is what I see in my mind's eye when I try to picture Mm. it. Because I can't picture it. Even with the, like, sort of grainy Instagram (laughs) things we've gotten, it is really, I just, I can't, I can't see it yet. I want to see it. That's that's my number one thing I would like to see in spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, definitely the D Gordon defense is is going to be interesting. Um, I I wish that there was a position that I was really curious about, but I don't think there's anything that we need to see proven at any other position other than center field and first base. You know, I I think. It would be good to see another hot start from Ben Gamble. It would be good if Guillermo Heredia was healthy and able to be going. You know, I don't know if that'll quite be the case. Um, Although the the thing we the report we got today sounded optimistic. Yes, I I just don't know how much that translates into in terms of him playing in in games in spring training. But I. Uh, I just I need to see pitching, you know. I I I think Kyle Seager <laughs> is gonna, you know, nothing about spring training is going to change my thoughts on Mitch Haniger or Kyle Seager or Gene Segura or Robinson Cano or Mike Zunino's abilities because they've done enough to show that all I need to see from them is better stuff in the regular season. You know, I don't need to see Nelson Cruz lighted up in spring training. I think. I would like to see Nelson Cruz hang out <laughs> and just, you know, totally. I would prefer to see him not light it up. I would like right. to see him in a dark, cool, <laughs> safe space. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. And so I I mean, I just I want to see the pictures. I want to see Felix. I I want to see you know, Felix on his new sort of, I mean, not new, but on the normal routine that everyone has always, or not, (laughs) you know, that, that That everyone but Felix has, has it. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Um, you know, I want to see Paxton looking healthy, but even then, you know, it's like, I know Paxton's going to be good if he's out there. I don't like, he doesn't need to prove anything in spring training. He needs to throw a couple innings, make sure, you know, he feels good and that's it you know i but what i want to see is how does andrew moore look yep. how does marco gonzalez look yep. you know how does ariel miranda look how does i mean erasmo look you know how do these guys who are fringy right now uh for making the roster and and fringy in terms of what their proje- production projects to you know how have they improved in the offseason i want to see mm-hmm. you know max posey i want to see you know these guys who, if they have taken a big step forward, that's going to be what separates this team. Uh, you know, and conveniently, pitching is as we talked about one of the metrics that you can look at in spring training and and get some right. that there's not noise in there, and and not the results because the results right. will still be noisy because it's right. Arizona and because this is the first that they're pitching and because guys are working often. You know, they're often working their specific plans as opposed to game planning for hitters, mm-hmm. you know, 
but but you can you... look at velocity you can watch for location i mean we've talked a little bit about mechanics yeah when we had Ander Moore on, he talked a little bit about getting more depth and fade on his changeup, and we can be yeah. looking for those things. Yeah. Um, I, we will I've always been... keep the memory of Chris Heston and <laughs> and, God, and Dylan Overton. Dylan Overton, yes, I tried oh. to call him Dylan Unsworth, who is a different guy who's not an organization anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dylan, we will keep those things in mind. Although honestly, there were warning flags. There were there were warning signs there. Heston had a lot of trouble keeping that ball. I'm going to say there zone. were warning signs with Chris Heston a while ago. <laughs> I, had, I love you, Ken. You have made some good calls. I did not understand your belief in Chris I Heston. I really thought he was going to just come back. Yeah, I just really thought he was going to. He'd been working with Stoudemire. He, was, he said all Absolutely. the right things. He just was not able to execute yeah. them. Hey, but he I had a good plan. I, he just couldn't execute true. it. That's fair. I, I mean I thought Dylan Overton's cutter was interesting. I thought I yeah. thought if he could work it a little bit, you know, he'd be there. But dude c- could not handle. Again, <laughs> this, not the story of 2017. Everyone hitting their worst percentile outcomes, like yeah. just not did not catch a single break on a single one of those guys right. actively figuring anything out. Yep. That was taken up by Lindsey Coggle, who was toiling away in our minor leagues, who figured something out midseason. Like, he got the breakthrough, but he was mm-hmm. down in double-A where it, <laughs> it didn't help us it out. It was Lindsey Coggle, it was Braden Bishop, yeah. it was Ian Miller, <laughs> yeah. and... Uh, yeah, it was a it lot was of Emilio min- Pagan. <laughs> yeah, a lot of... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Emilio. Um, but no, I think what you're talking about is what... Everyone is going to have a really hard eye on. And unfortunately, I think it might be a lot of people who, because everyone wants to see these starters prove that they deserve the innings that Jerry has said that they have to be given. You know, we don't, with the perception that we don't have innings to give to one of the starters that's still out there on the free agent market. Um the pressure is on them to prove that they deserve those innings. And I think um, that will be a good thing. And that will also maybe be a tough thing if, like you said, uh, people pay too much attention to the results and, you know, not the process. Right. Um, I'm preparing for a lot of... Spring t- training reactionary <laughs> tweets is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, um, like I feel like if Andrew Moore, if Marco, <laughs> I think mo- I think the key, the cog to all of this is Marco because people are mad yeah. that we gave up Tyler O'Neill for him. They still feel that's an overpay. Yeah. Um, this is you know he's older. Andrew Moore is 23. Like Andrew Moore has time to figure stuff out. 24 mm. now. Uh, I think he turns 24 in a little bit. His birthday is March? I I thought it was June. June. Yeah, it's June. Yeah. Uh, Well, do we know when? (laughs) Yeah, it is is June. It is June. Uh, I did do that Sporkle Mariner's birthday quizzes, and his was the only one I got right. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I know that. Um, There's time for Andrew Moore. Ariel Miranda, you know, I think expectations are pretty low for him right. after this past year. And he hasn't been discussed as much as a huge part of the plan. It, it, a lot of this and falls on Marco. 
No. Well, ideally, ideally, if Marco yeah. is as advertised. So I yeah. feel like there's going to be a lot. Of, if he goes out and has a bad start, I fear Twitter. i'm I'm actually specifically on marco uh you know i we talked a little bit within slack and i'm gonna write up a piece since i think he's made some mechanical changes um you know since coming to seattle and and you know obviously his velocity was ticking upwards at the end of the season um so there are some definite interesting things to look for on him but i i think it's still you know, it's still bizarre that the the team's response has been so doggedly we're fine with the rotation <laughs> and we need to make space this year for these guys. Um, because yeah, people are not happy about that. Right. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, the, the idea is there's merit in the idea right there's there's if if you're able to get quality production from younger guys that's how teams have been successful lately i mean because those are the players that are being paid less so you if you're getting a lot of production from the guys that you're not paying very much you have more money to you know you you're able to spend money to fill in your holes elsewhere um you know, and and the Mariners have sort of done that in reverse. They have <laughs> spent money and have production from the guys they're paying for, and now they and then you know over the past basically two or three years they've tried to fill in production from guys who were rookies or second year players or you know needed a small tweak, and sometimes that's worked. You know, guys like James Pazos and guys like Machaniger and Gamble and Redia last year. Um, and sometimes that hasn't with, you know, Vogelbach and, uh, you know, I, I think a number of the starting pitchers last year who they were hoping would work out. And so it's a lot of those same guys and a lot of those same guys still have the chance to be good because this things that possibly would have made them good, la- you know, last year are still there, but they needed to, they need to make an adjustment. And so... Uh, you know, I I really looking forward to that first Marco Gonzalez start, I guess, and and uh, seeing how the changeup looks, seeing how the fastball looks, um, and and I still think that we see a move before the off season ends. I guess before <laughs> spring training ends at this point, <laughs> it's not technically the off season anymore. No. Um, uh, are you still on the, the Jaime yeah. Garcia train? I still, am still on the Jaime Garcia uh, train. Still I, the conductor of that train? Yes. I, I still think Jaime Garcia is a good fit because I think that allows you to move Erasmo or, um, Marco, if you want, to the bullpen. Uh, I would rather see Marco stretched out to start. Um, I think, and this, this I don't remember if I've gone into this on the podcast, but I think subsequently I think it's a good fit to move Zipchinski or if you just really can't get anything on him, uh, you know, just kind of let him go. Uh, because, not because he's bad, but because for what, the Mariners need he doesn't fit 
um, in terms of you can't if you're needing a lot of long relief and a lot of guys who are versatile in the bullpen you can't just have one spot dedicated to a player who can't be sent down to the minors and can only pitch to left-handers and yeah. wasn't even that dominant against lefties in that role. Um, well, it was a bad it was a bad role for him. It was a bad ask for him last yeah. year um because I don't, you know, he's not he is very good at going in and throwing his like three pitches to a left-handed mm. batter generally. Um, but you saw, as he was asked to do more, his production tailed off. And... Significantly, yeah. And you know, teams... when utilized properly, is fine. Right. He's he's absolutely, I think, still a valuable player in that role. But I think the Mariners are in a place where they need something. They need other things more than they need a guy to do that role well. Yeah. And there's like three or four teams sniffing around Tony Watson, who is <laughs> pretty much the same player. Um, you know, the, I think the, I guess I like the Phillies, the Dodgers and the, the Red Sox, the Red Sox at least, yeah. you know, all are looking at a 32, a 32 year old lefty only pitcher, you know, who can do a little bit more than relieve, you know, just, uh, just against lefties, but mostly should only be left in against lefties. You know, whatever you can do, you, I think you, you move Zipchinski and you open up a spot for either Erasmo or, you know, Marco or even just one of the other guys, who, whoever it might be, and then just get one more starting pitcher. I, if it, Someone's going to get hurt, and if no one gets hurt, then it's a much better problem to have of trying to fit in your decent starting pitchers than not having enough of them. Yeah, I I mean I am I like Zipchinski on a personal level and I thought mm-hmm. he fought hard last year against mm-hmm. a role he was miscast for. Uh but I agree with you. I'm not sure that that's a great fit for us right now with Pazos, like you said. There absolutely has to be a lefty, um, and the Giants are gonna are are mindful of being under the luxury tax, and mm-hmm. would really like a left-hander, and are seriously considering giving Tony Watson a lot of money. So, uh-huh. I surely, surely something can be worked out, mm-hmm. right? Where we can just pay some of the money and get one of their little middling prospects back. Right. Exactly. That would be fine. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're just two dummies with a podcast, so I know that DePoto is, you know, firing those phones off at all hours. I'm very curious. This is one thing where um, the Mariners, it is always delightful to me when my phone lights up and it's a Mariners trade or acquisition and I have heard nothing about it. Like, right. nothing. Which is, oh, I, I feel like that Ketel Marte, Taiwan Walker, Segura Hanager <laughs> thing. I had no, I was shocked. Shocked! Because um, mm-hmm. it just seems like they do a really good job on keeping a lid on everything. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it is a remarkably leak-free environment. It is. I wonder what, like, does Jerry have compromising photos of all his staff? Or, like, what is the... <laughs> what is... For a guy who loves to talk so much, he <laughs> does seem to it's... manage to play the final things yeah. close to the chest. It's, it's pretty amazing how little... I, I would have to think that the Mariners are one of the most leak-free. And the things that we do hear that are leaks are false, like uh, Lucas Duda. Well, and I think part of that was, uh, there was a note, and I think Divish may have written about it, but <clears throat> he asked because I think there was, a, it was like the Jay Bruce rumors that, that we saw. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, that, there's no way. DePoto said, yeah, you'll probably see us linked to a bunch of players always, but that's just because we always ask almost everyone about what they're looking for yeah. um, to try and get a sense of where the market's at, which I thought was interesting. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe that's just people making up stuff, but... Uh, it it did seem like it does seem like there are some things that are like I guess I could see that you know like the John Jay thing and then mm-hmm. you know the Jay Bruce the you know various other people who are just J D Martinez that was yeah. I am just laughing laughing over yeah. that one because yeah um, yeah generally when I hear a a name linked to us that is immediately. Uh, I just cross that person off my list as somebody <laughs> who I think we would actually get because it mm-hmm. uh, seems like a negative confirmation, uh, which is why I've been happy. We haven't been linked to any of the free agent starting pitchers. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> a, I just keep hope alive. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I forgot what we were talking about. Leak free environment. Mm-hmm. Zipchinski. Maybe there's like, something. Maybe there's something brewing that we just don't know about. I mean, yeah, we and I've heard and I think we we do know that they have tried to move and they've been looking to move Zipchinski. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's not a. But weird how that hasn't popped up in any of like the MLB trade rumor sites or anything. Like I don't see. We know that from internal sources, but right. That's not something that I've seen in reporter in the media so that's because we haven't been leaking kate <laughs> <laughs> i know i hope this doesn't count oh god please don't come after me jerry yeah if if the podcast doesn't air again next week guys yeah. uh and if you don't hear from me or john yeah. please come find us down in the mariners gulag <laughs> deep beneath we're, we're, we'll be Field. stuffed into jerry's backyard pizza oven <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Let's go to your, <laughs> to your sunshine and <laughs> rainbows gulag <laughs> in the depths of Safeco. <laughs> sort of the, just, it's weirdly directly underneath the kids zone. <laughs> the, uh, I was going to say it's under first base, and that's, oh, why, there you <laughs> that's why it's just There you go. Ryan hurt his hand reaching down <laughs> to try and help someone out, and he burned. Oh, no, can't, can't do that. Can't do that. They, they stay down there forever. Or just turning the giant wheels. You think it's all that complicated <laughs> mechan- mechan- machinery on the roof that moves it back and forth. But no, it's just just a few people down in the gulag with mm. one of those big wooden wheels. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, well, man. this took a super dark turn. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so, <laughs> we talk- so 
on on that note, yeah. Um... <laughs> Are you gonna ask me which Mariner I'd want to be my Valentine? Because I don't know how I can pick. Just kidding. It's Mike Marjama. <laughs> Who did an interview with our, our own Isabel Manassian who, that you can read on the site if you'd like. Um, it was very delightful. Yeah. He, ta- he talked about, although I don't think she wrote it in, uh, I don't think she could. No, this is a little piece, bonus but, content. Uh, uh, but apparently her, his, uh, they were riding on the, um, on the bus between cities heading to another game. And uh, his manager mentioned that he'd bought a fighting chicken. Uh, and Marjamo was like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, well, of course I did. No, you didn't. Uh, and so the, uh, the manager goes down, uh, re- reaches up, uh, un- into the, uh, sort of space above, you know, where the storage goes and pulls down a big paper bag with holes cut in it, uh, and hands it to Marjama and Marjama says, what is this? Is it? That's my fighting chicken. He put it in <laughs> the bag sure so enough, it would go to sleep. Yeah. So, nice sleepy chicken. Uh, with a questionable, <laughs> nice questionable, fu- <laughs> with questionable, a questionable future. future and a, yeah. Even a more questionable past. <laughs> Something we don't uh, want to think too much about. Perhaps. So yeah, now this, we've tr- covered gulags uh, being <laughs> s- incinerated sport. in Jerry's <laughs> pizza oven. Yeah, uh, this is it is all hearts and rainbows here on the Lookout yeah. Landing podcast. Mm-hmm. We're the we're the <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're like I, I don't know. Did you guys have Valentine's Day oh! like, dances at at your school? Sorry, I just got excited. The garbage truck is here. <laughs> there you go. It's all it's all turning Wait, around. The garbage truck is here, and it still didn't take the garbage. Uh-oh. Do you, do you need to run after them? Oh, they're gone now. Uh-oh. Oh. All right. I'm sorry. What were you saying? You can Uh-oh. cut all that out. I am... I, yeah, I mean, I I want to go out and, and check the status of the garbage, but... Okay. Oh, well, I was going to ask if your school, when you were growing up, ever had, like, Valentine's Day dances? No. Or anything of no. that nature? No. No. But I, I'm guessing... Our Lady of Guadalupe. No, the Catholic school didn't not... didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, no, no, there was like maybe I, an end I, of the year I'm thing. I'm perhaps playing my, showing my hand in my lack of understanding of Catholic school. Yeah, not a. I mean, there was Saint Day where you got to dress up like your patron saint, but there was no Valentine's Day dance. Now, who? Who was your patron saint, and how is that determined? It's who you're named after. So, uh, Saint Catherine of Siena. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. What were there? No kids that were na- weren't named after a saint. Mm. Was was there not just like a Leroy or something? <laughs> <laughs> like a... perhaps, <laughs> perhaps this isn't a great uh, indictment <laughs> of my. <laughs> relative homogeneity <laughs> of my grade school, but no, there was not a Leroy. <laughs> um, 
No, yeah. there was a lot of, yeah. you know, Timothy and Matthews and Bradleys. And I don't know if there's a St. Bradley now that so, I, I was going to say, <laughs> again, so I defer to you. But, like, if you didn't have a saint it. that you wanted to do, because, like, maybe your saint was kind of controversial, like the one who cut off her breasts. That was not a popular. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, Agnes. Um, now, how many Agneses? What was the Agnes to Leroy ratio? <laughs> <laughs> Significantly, I've never, there were, I have never met an Agnes. She was the principal. <laughs> oh, geez. I guess our principal's name was Hal, so I don't know if there's Again, a Saint Hal. There's but... just two very, very parallel experiences being talked about here. And by parallel, I mean they do not cross. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, did you have Valentine's I assume that you asked me this question as an excuse did. to be able to tell your own story. Well, it's not much of a story, but I was curious if they played I Don't Want to Be in Love by Good Charlotte as one of the songs for the Valentine's Day dances uh, for, like, the rebellious kids who weren't, you know, awkwardly not allowed to touch, but, like, shimmying nearby someone that they kind of had a crush on, and so they were acting like they hated. Um, but, uh... It sounds it sounds like that was not the case. That was no, not no, your experience. No. Also I'm like twenty years older than you. So <laughs> good Charlotte. No. No, John. No. None of that. None of that. I feel like Good Charlotte has been around for a while. <laughs> I don't know. No. My main memory of celebrating my birthday in grade school was uh, I had a roller skating birthday party where I had pink cake and cherry 7-Up, and I threw it up everywhere in front of my classmates, and it was humiliating. No. Yep, stomach bug, didn't know I had it until, uh, yep, so that happened. So uh, my apathy yeah. towards this day can maybe be traced back to that moment. Well, I believe that was also the last birthday party I had with uh, anyone from school, so. That's fair. Okay. I want it noted, <clears throat> Good Charlotte began in 1995. Really? I think it's reasonably possible. Their debut studio album was 2001, but they had multiple no, no, demos and EPs. No, are, then. So you could have been in on in that. I was in college. But you were, no. you were in college on the East Coast. They're no. from Maryland. No. 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 <laughs> no. This is true. All right. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up. Yeah, so that we yeah. Can, you think we're going to wrap up? Yeah. Wrap up this super compelling, <laughs> compelling content? Um, we'll, we'll be back next week. Uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, next week we'll have had a few... Uh, so, uh, a few practices and we'll be two days away well wow, we'll have on a few more schedule. blurry iphone pictures taken by ryan yeah. divish to look at um and dissect yeah, yeah. and uh we'll probably be a day or two away from the first from games actual games training, yeah which is i mean we made have, it we made it there, yeah there have been few off seasons that i can imagine that were more just arduous painful dreadful. horrible Torturous? Uh, Did I say yeah. torture? More torture. Yeah, more torture. Like being stuffed into someone's backyard pizza oven? Uh, yeah, huh. that's that's pretty accurate. 
Um, it is. It has been rough, but we mm-hmm. we are here. There will be baseball. Yes. Um, yes. And and we're looking forward to being there with you. Yeah. For it. So, Kate, I'm um, I'm looking forward to recapping games. I mean that. I like, know. Th- that's what I think you and I did a lot of, especially when we first started here, and it, it's it's fun, man. It's it's. It is a good time. It is. It is yeah. good. even when the games are poor. The. Um, yeah experience of telling stories about them is fun uh talking to players is fun hopefully with to do more of that this year and uh baseball is fun baseball should be fun so just please last year my plea every time it was like 11 11 on the clock or you know i found a stray eyelash obviously you wish on those it was that the mariners be good i'm changing that this year my entire off-season wish every time has been please let the Mariners be fun. I don't. Okay. I thought I was gonna say. I thought it was gonna be please let the Mariners just be better than the Angels. Well, there's that. Too. I mean, that's yours. <laughs> that would that's be yours. A... I'm not gonna that's encroach fair. on your territory like fair. that. That's fair. I appreciate uh, it. But yeah. Also, this is a side thing. But let's reenact the Mitch and Ryan. I'm willing to take Ryan on <laughs> as my favorite. Let's go to Marination and we'll just yes. like reenact their cute little. Okay. Bro date. That'll be I'm fun. very down, especially because okay. I'm now looking at a photo of Mitch Haniger flanked by Taylor Motter and Ben Gamble, and <laughs> it is hilarious <laughs> to just see him looking so kempt relatively. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he definitely looks like the one brother who uh, didn't get his GED. Oh, all right. Well, Thank you guys for listening. Um, thanks for sticking with us through this off season. Um, yeah, this is our last off season podcast, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. It's oh. it's it's we're we're almost done with the forty and forty series on the site, which yep. you can check out if you want to get familiar with the players and uh, you know the moves that have happened. And um, yeah, we're just we're gonna have a lot of a lot of fun stuff ahead whether whether the team likes it or not <laughs> we will have uh, fun that's God, that's our motto God, on the site this year God no matter it. how much you try to stop us we will have fun yeah, yeah. i think that's good all right all right well thanks everybody for listening oh you're hosting this episode you you close yeah. the show you do the goodbye <laughs> talk absolutely and you can you can get a head start on that garbage truck um <sighs> Until until next week. Uh...